When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Man City Show. It's Nigel Rothman back in the chair, and we continue our round of interviews with City-related topics during this mid-season break. This week, I welcome a writer and editor who has worked with some of the top names in sport during his career in publishing, print, and broadcast journalism. He now combines book, pro- book projects with leading the horticulture team at a garden centre in London. You didn't think I'd say that on the Man City Show, did you? Um, he was given the name Gilesinho by his Brazilian wife. I look forward to hearing more about that as well as we chat to Giles Elliott. Giles, welcome to the Man City Show. Good to see you. Thank you, Nigel. Thank you for having me on. Listen, the horticulture and books, I, I have to cover that off first. Help me understand, you know, why both of these? How's this come about? And which is your favourite, if you had a choice? Uh, well, that puts me on the spot. Um, it would be books because um, that is my background and that's what I've always loved doing, um, along with football, obviously. Um, horticulture came about for one simple one-word reason, which would be redundancy. Um, so I reshaped my life um, while I was working in publishing publishing sports books for a large publishing company. Um, I did evening classes at a local horticulture college and got my RHS qualifications and did voluntary work doing lots of gardening. And uh, just thought, well, that was a bit of fun. And then come the redundancy, I decided to go up freelance on uh, writing and editing sports books as I had been doing, and then work part-time in a garden centre in the afternoons. Amazing. And I suppose I should really be asking, going from November into December, what should we be doing in our gardens at the moment then here, Charles? What, 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 what should we be looking out for? Some uh, tips, please, for the seven <laughs> listeners to the Man City Show podcast. It's a great time for planting shrubs and trees. Um, the earth is still warm. Um, and uh, yes, if the weather's not too filthy, get out there, a bit of tidying, um, so you don't have too many uh, grubs and diseases over the winter. Uh, but most importantly, think about ooh, what would be a nice stocking filler, you know, that will warm me up over the Christmas period. And, and do you know what? That could be a brand new book that's just been brought out called <laughs> called Pep Talk, because that's why you're here. Great book. As you say, fantastic stocking filler. Got it here. The words and wisdom of the Catalan master Pep Guardiola. Um, what, why this book, Charles? 
Um, right. Well, the title is, uh, interestingly, it started out as a bit of a piss take. Um, so I was thinking, you know, Pep Talk is the obvious title, and unfortunately, it's been used on lots of books. But when I thought of the subtitle, The Words and Wisdom of the Catalan Master, I wanted to compile everything that Pep has said over the years. He mostly does press conferences only now, as you know. Um, but then there's plenty of other material which you can dig up if you are um, um, diligently researching things. As an ex-journalist, I, I like digging. And well, as a gardener, I like digging as well. I didn't think I'd get that link in. <laughs> and um, um, so uh, the idea basically came about to um, uh, roll with the bandwagon of Man City's success and try and get a, a nice book which would entertain people, but also show some light on what goes on in Pep's head and mind because he's a fascinating character. And, and we will obviously talk about the book. That's why you're on the show. Uh, but you've always been into sport. You, I, I know you're not a City fan, so we probably need to get that out in the yeah, open I, for, I our, think it's, for our it's, listeners. It's probably fairly obvious from my accent. I am a Londoner and therefore could not be a fan of any Manchester-related team. Um, I'm from Wimbledon. I'm a Wimbledon boy. Supported Wimbledon from Plough Lane when they first got into the Football League. Saw them go out of existence. Saw them reincarnated. And I always felt a certain affinity with City, going back to probably Peter Barnes' days. You know, I loved a flamboyant left winger um, in politics as well as in football. And um, I enjoyed um, the sky blue shirts. Um, I was supporting City in the cup final against Tottenham. Um, 1981. Indeed, yes. Um, little did I ever think that Wimbledon would get to Wembley and play in a cup final and then would all go bust. And um, yes, but anyway, I was a, um, a huge football nut as a kid, um, was lucky enough to be forced into education as opposed to being a really mediocre footballer. Um, so ended up working in the media by hook or by crook and um, um, worked in, in football for a little while, um, sports journalism, and then as a books journalist. And then the two got combined. And we'll say we will get onto the book. The one I notice you have written, uh, and there are these famous sort of the little book of, and there's a little book of Man City, of course, that I'm sure we've <laughs> all got already. And if you haven't got pep talk, this is the one you need, of course. Um, but you, you wrote you. Klopp, you wrote Klopp, the little red book of, the little red book of Klopp. Right. So th this is where it happened. I mean, and I, apologies to City fans and apologies to um, Pep for him. Obviously, with the superior managerial track record coming second in the uh, book ranking. Um, but when I was thinking post-redundancy of a nice little book idea that I might be able to, to sell through, um, I had this idea of a Chairman Mao book of football. So it was the little red book. And then I just thought, oh, the little red book of Klopp. And, you know, he's a clown. And um, but also has a wide array of entertaining quotes across a, a whole realm of things, you know, from all his his music references and and the rest of it. Um, so we just thought um, at the time I had an agent, which was useful, um, and he managed to sell it as I'd failed to do as a publisher um, to Macmillan. And the little red book of Klopp came out. Uh, what was it? Three years ago now, and. Um, um, did very well, partly because Liverpool did the unthinkable and actually managed to win the uh, Premier League, um, interrupting yeah, just, just, City's just, great just, run of success. <laughs> just, the, just the once, come on. Just I mean, it once. must be huge, as, hugely as disappointing to, and, uh, to to have such a record of winning only one in all those years he's been there. Well, what a failure he's been, let's be indeed, honest, what, compared what, what, with the great Pep Guardiola. 
Well, one of my favourite parts of the book is is where he's got these, there's various sort of, you know, I, I riff a bit on managerial rivalries, obviously with Jose Mourinho when, um, you know, some of the press conferences that, that Pep did when he was at Barcelona, are, you know, you, you wouldn't believe the invective that he was, you know, I mean, he's he's known as being slightly reserved, possibly. Uh, he wasn't then. Um, but the rivalry with Klopp, particularly last season, I think, when he came out with this, you know, oh, everyone supports Liverpool in this country. And then he was suddenly just like, well, I've just been told they don't all support Liverpool. And, and they've only won once in 30 years. It's just like, you know, come on, everyone, all the United fans, come, as long as you wear a blue shirt, you're welcome to celebrate with us. Um, I thought it was lovely. Um, and, and how do you go about writing something like this? Because I, I think it's fair to say, I don't think you've met the man. He only does press conferences, as we've said. So you've never met Pep. Um, but but we've got, what, like 13 amazing chapters, you know, going from, as you say, managers to England, a bit about Barcelona, clearly a big section on, on City and players, and then a bit about motivation. I mean, it's, it's, it's just brilliant. I think the way you put it together, it's, it's a really simple idea. But but you never met the man. So how do you go about pulling some no, of this together? I've, I've never met the man. And I think even if you do meet the man, you know, I know a lot of, I've, I've worked with a lot of, you know, the sort of the, the mainstream sports journalists. I did, um, uh, I hate to mention this, I'll do it quietly, Gary Neville's autobiography, um, with Matt Dickinson, who ghost wrote that. And, um, you know, Matt was unable to get much closer to Gary than anyone else. And, um, you know, I went to Gary's house high above Bolton um, um, with interesting um, features. <laughs> I won't say any more than that. Um, in the house, um, enormous sofas, I think. Uh, even he, he tried to sit back at one stage and he was just like... Ugh. Where's the back of this sofa? I can't find it. <laughs> he, not sure. He's not Welsh, is he? I don't think he's Welsh, is he? <laughs> yeah, I shouldn't shouldn't try to do Manchester. Sorry, it's, uh, apologies for that. I'll stay London. Um, but yes, um, I don't think journalists can get particularly close to managers unless they're involved in writing books with them. So when you're doing, th- there's an exception with Pep because he's got, um, you know, someone like Marty Perinau, um, you know, a Catalan journalist who's followed him through the Bayern Munich years, wrote a book about it. You know, he's able to talk to him as an English bloke who's worked in sport and publishing and wants to do a book on him. Even when I was doing the clock book, I had no intention of trying to get in touch with him and get his angle. What I'm trying to do externally is get a picture of a person and someone's psychology and motivation through what they've said on record and just going through it and sort of cutting and pasting and sort of going, hold on, you know, that's an odd thing to say. And then grouping stuff. I think the important thing I, I established early on was not to do it chronologically. Um, so, and including bits that people may have forgotten about. So, you know, Pep did memorably um, play in Italy um, to no great success whatsoever. And there's a great quote as part of Pep talk that says, you know, um, when there was a certain um, accusation against him, why would I need performance inducing drugs to play against Piacenza? Um, which is you know, one of my favorite quotes in the, um, in the array of them. And, you know, there's just so much material out there. Um, that as an ex-editor or as an ongoing editor on a freelance basis, I like taking a mass of material and trying to find a shape to it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
Get all the latest World Cup headlines and bite-sized opinion on the World Cup Whistleblowers Daily Podcast. Join Mark Smith and a rotating lineup of contributors from the world of football and entertainment as they dissect all the big talking points in one small package. Whether it's bringing you reaction to the games, fallout from a bad managerial decision, or just the latest scandal to engulf the host nation, the World Cup Whistleblowers Daily Podcast will be covering it concisely every weekday of the tournament. Search for the Whistleblowers wherever you get your podcasts. And in terms of Pep and his sort of time in, in England, of course, he's been with City now longer than any other club, and we know he's just extended his contract again Absolutely. for another two years. Very good just... news for um, authors of books about Pep Guardiola. <laughs> and for and for Man City fans as oh, well. well that too, yes. We're reasonably charged. Although my first thought was, oh, these publishers must be delighted. It was very much a, a secondary <laughs> thought that, you know, he's going to be with us for another couple of years. That's that's exciting for us then. We can I think dominate. most importantly, it's good for Pep himself because he seems a happier, more settled man. And as I went more more through the book and more sort of reading up about City and getting back into City because you do get completely taken over by the club during the process of this you're just like hold on he's starting to relax here he's starting to joke he's starting to take the piss out of his players a little bit um, even De Bruyne at one stage you know I think was it Brighton when he was just like no he's not very good is he and uh, and then you see the the, the 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 quotes later when he's just going unstoppable brilliant genius um, and and, you, and thinking of of him as a genius, I mean, he's brought so much to the Premier League. I mean, the, 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 almost too much to, to talk about. Whether it's playing out from the back, whether it's about the high press, whether it's it's just sort of keeping the ball. Um, we played without a centre forward for a season and still won the league. And, so, and, and he's reinvented this team sort of year after year. You know, people leave, and and, and yet it's reinvented the whole time. Um, is is he? There, in your view, maybe the best manager the Premier League's ever said. Can, can we go that far, or do you think there are others? I mean, Wimbledon have had some greats in the past, I realise, and <laughs> they probably don't, they don't, they've not fit to lace their boots, as they say. But in terms uh, well, of. Well, not the Norwegian and the Wellington boots, that's for sure. So, so. exactly. <laughs> so, so what about, what about Pep? I mean, it, it's, uh, people talk about the, the, the drunk, drunk Scott uh, from just outside Manchester who did a reasonable job. Um, but, but is he the best? Or does I he think, need to I win think, the the ch 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 champions? Yeah, that's my that's my. I'll mention it now. That's my favourite. I've done it. That's that's my favourite chapter in the book because I open it with uh, basically he compares the Champions League to the Queen. This was obviously written before um, um, you know events of this year, um, but you know it is the overriding um, thing, and obviously as an unscrupulous. Um, author who wants to his book to do well and City to do well. Uh, I'll join that there. Then City winning the Champions League this season would be incredible. But let's face it, you know, they absolutely deserve to from, as you say, the way they have reinvented the way that football gets played in this country. And I think the most important thing that will make him the great is actually not so much what he's done so far, um, the amount of titles, but the legacy he will leave with the younger players being brought through because, you know, I'm looking, is it 16 City players at the World Cup? Um, and, um, you know, you're looking at some of the younger ones and they're basically, you know, Julian Alvarez, this kind of thing. They're, they're, they're basically sort of saying, right, okay, I'm in there with a shout as well. And I was reading a feature as well of of the young, I forget his name, I'm sorry, the Spanish left back um, that you brought in who didn't make the Spanish squad. Um, 
and sort of saying, you know, he's regarding this as a, a bit of a challenge. He hasn't played yet, but he's just like, you know, okay, right, you know, I'm going to be working because they'll be tired when they come back. You know, this is this is me. You know, you know, I, I'm going to be challenging. Are we talking about Sergio Gomez? I am. You are talking about Sergio Gomez. Apologies for my terrible lack of knowledge there. It's all right. Um, <laughs> if, if I'd not remembered, I would have been in serious trouble with our seven <laughs> listeners. As I say. Um, so, what is it about? It, yes, you're right. I mean, the Champions League. Um, is is the is the monkey on our back, isn't it? Let's be honest. Uh, I always say to people, I'm asked this question all the time. What would you rather do? And it's always been up until this point, it's been dom- you know dominate your domestic league. But we've kind of won that quite a lot recently. Liverpool, as you say, had an, an odd season and just nicked it for that one season. Um, but it is a knockout tournament, isn't it? And, and I think the best team always wins the Premier League. I'm not sure if the best team always wins the Champions League. No, um, certainly not. Um, uh, I supported Malmo when they played against Nottingham Forest back in 78, 77, 79, something like that, um, because Malmo wore sky blue shirts and I had, as I said, an affinity with um, Peter Barnes and and, and um, anyone in sky blue shirt. Um but no, definitely the best team doesn't win the uh, Champions League. You need luck and you need refereeing decisions. Um, and part of the interest in, I hope, in the, the in pep talk in that Champions League chapter is is the reactions to the defeats to Spurs um, and um, various other ones. But also, I've actually taken the liberty on one spread of two pages to do one entire quote where he thanks past players from Joe Hart through to Sergio Aguero um, when City reach the final before they play against Chelsea sort of saying this is down to the whole history of the club the owners the investment he builds it up as this big great thing and it's an enormous great quote and then they lose to Chelsea of all people and don't get me started on Chelsea so no well, we, we don't talk about them and I, I, I was no. there in I was there in Porto I witnessed of it course myself, you were. so uh, yeah. there we are um so yeah I'm, I'm, I'm listen I've got the book in front of me so I just thought we could just go through um just a, a couple of the highlights if you like and, and just pick out some of your favorites I suppose just so, to give people a flavor of what they're going to receive in their stocking this Christmas um so on the first section you, you just call it football which I thought was an interesting you know, some of those are a bit more specific, you know, the Champions League uh, um, and, and so on. But we've got football as, as kind of the, as, as the first chapter. Well, um, he, he's known as, or, or, you know, you can call him a philosopher manager. And I think that's something that he actually develops his whole character around. He likes to be seen as, you know, someone who thinks about football to a greater extent and, and lives and breathes it. So it's just pep on football. So the first quote in the book there is football is emotions. And this is, you know, to me, the heart of, you know, Pep's things. If you don't have the emotional aspects, and let's face it, he did get more and more emotional as last season went on, and it was fantastic to see. Um, then, you know, football is emotions. It's tactics, definitely, but it's also emotions. He's known as the tactician, but no, it's from the heart. And if you're not playing from the heart, and if you don't want to run for him, you don't have a place in this team. Um, in, the, in the managers section, which, which is next, you, you talked about Mourinho, but of course, Johan Cruyff gets quite a few mentions as well. Of course, um, sort of Cruyff and, and, and Pep, an interesting mix there. Some good quotes in there for about Cruyff. Uh, yeah, ni- nice quotes in there with just a look he gave you shivers that could chill the blood. Um, obviously, Cruyff was known as a hard taskmaster, but I think that Pep has learnt from that. You know, he knows when he's got to lay down the law. Um, But also, I think, importantly, he learnt humility. Um, So then we see at the start of his managerial coaching career, really, if we call it in in Spain. So he's starting with Barca B. He's starting coaching the kids and knowing that he's got to work his way up. 
obviously he did that very quickly. Um, and I think one of the accusations, just on a tangent here, that riles me about the way that people can criticise Pep is sort of saying, well, you know, I could have done that at Bayern Munich, you know, because they're the best team and I could have done that at City. It's just like footballers in my, um, again, sort of at one uh, step away from the, the arena, um, you know, they are a difficult bunch to manage, I would imagine. Um, I've met a few. And um, to be able to do it in different cultures, and especially now with a massively multicultural squad and knowing who to leave out and to be able to do that, I think it's it's some achievement. Managing does not look easy to me. Uh, and that's something I think about a lot. You know, the, you know I, listen, I go back even further than you to the late 60s um, and that great team of Manchester City who won the league in 68, the FA Cup in 1969, the European mm-hmm. Cup Winners' Cup in 70, the League Cup in so You know, it was, mm-hmm. we dominated and we mm-hmm. were a fantastic team. But but I think everybody was from Manchester. I'm, right. I'm, you know, I know. Right, I know that uh, I'll be corrected now. Tony Book was from Bath. I do know that, but uh, age age thirty three. But but hey, you know, but but it was essentially uh, Manchester lads who got on the bus and and turned up. But these these multi million pound megastars with egos the size of Gary Neville's sofa. Mm-hmm. It, it's just kind of <laughs> how on earth to to, to to keep them all motivated to know they're not going to play in week in week out. I mean that that just is a, is an amazing skill, isn't it? And also to um, to develop someone like Vincent Company into what is looking like a very good coach at Burnley, so that you know he's taken on some lessons and and he's you know probably been a favoured son, but at the same time he's been told right, you know he must have got on the phone to Pep and thought you know I better start somewhere that's um, windswept and very cold in the winter, as Turf Moor um, probably still is. Um, I used to go there a bit. Going back to your thing about local players, though, I was involved in a book. Um, with um, Dave Bassett and Wally Downs called The Crazy Gang. Uh, Again, it was a title that was fairly simple to come up with. And, um, you know, the the Wimbledon story, obviously, back in those days was lots of local players. But, you know, they were completely unmanageable um, until Bassett came in and knocked their heads together. Um, And his tactics, you know, he was still, there's, you know, go on rants um, about, you know, how the long ball is the only way to to do things. which takes us nicely to Pep and tactics, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, so to mm-hmm. me, that's that's one of the key to the um, uh, the chapters there. So we've got Pep on tactics, um, which is slightly later on in the book. Um, here's my... Um, chap- chapter six, I think. Ta- you go, tactics, well, yeah. very good. Um, I don't think we even have chapter numbers, do we? But um, there we go. Um, so... Uh, obviously, he talks about Tiki Taka to a certain extent, and and you know disses it, and saying that's not, you know, what he's he's about. Um, but here's my favourite quote. Sorry, it took me a little while to come to it. Right. Ideas belong to everyone, and I have stolen as many as I could. <laughs> um, now, to me, I came across that one, and I just thought, hold on, you know, this is someone who's a self-proclaimed sometimes genius, definitely acclaimed by others as a genius, and he's just sort of saying, no, it's just you know, just take any ideas that you can from wherever. And obviously, Cruyff was a mentor, and um, but you know he would, I think, um, have taken something. Is this heresy um, from Klopp about some of the Gagan pressing and the really high press on things in certain situations? It's affected the whole of the way that we watch football, and you know, watching the World Cup at the moment, you know, you're watching the teams who don't do any kind of high pressing. No names mentioned, but you know, our um, native country will be one of them. Um, you're looking at them, and there's just no life in it. 
And, you know, when you've got that buzz about a team and, um, you know, watching Brazil against Switzerland suddenly clicking into life when they use the bench. And I think this is another thing where Pep has been very influential um, of actually just sort of saying, right, it's not working, sometimes by his own admission because of his own mistakes in initial team selection, not mentioning a ch-ch-ch. Um, <laughs> You're a guest on this show. Behave yourself. <laughs> It's 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 a fascinating thing, you know. To me, this is this is where it all coalesces and, and comes together. And um, you know, he gets it absolutely bang on right. And then with his legacy, yes, best manager ever. Glad you we got that out of you in the end. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, it's interesting. The other thing that I thought out when I was reading that, so I was looking for examples of him having a go at his players. And you think of the Mourinho's of this world um, and Conte and Klopp, who have mm-hmm. been known to come out and say, I don't remember, and I may have missed it, but I don't actually remember Pep ever standing there and say, yeah, they were shit tonight. They didn't run hard enough or they didn't pass well enough. It's always... It, it, he never ever criticizes his players in public. Now, what he does behind those, I, I'm sure it's the, because in the locker room, as I don't like him calling it, but he <laughs> insists on doing it in the locker room. I'm sure he does, but publicly, he can be a little bit morose and a bit monosyllabic with the press, which is also a bit I, I'm not sure I like about him. Mean, he, he could be a bit more generous with his his time, but there, there's me there's me criticizing the great Pep Guardiola. You may have a view on that. He's not the most friendly with them, is he? Is that, is that an issue for you as well? So tackle those two issues, if if you would, Giles, for us. So the friendliness towards the press and that rather kind of brusque sort of negative attitude he has towards them. Um, and then this issue of kind of his players and the way he seems to protect them. Would, would that would they be two fair observations? Would you agree with both of those? Do you have a, a different view? Yes, no. I mean, behind closed um, doors, I'm taking the second point first, I'm absolutely sure he berates people. Um, I have no idea what he would have said to Benjamin Mendy. Um, but in public, he comes out and says, you know, I don't know the character of this boy when, you know, he's on trial. So, you know, again, that is the prime example of an absolute refusal um, because the team is a unit and he wants people to know that, you know, he has got them together fighting together. When he made his famous um, um, utterance that he would only talk to the press in press conferences, obviously it's going to piss a lot of um, people off. Um, but then you're right, he stands up there and he looks as though he's um, being made to do this against his will, even though it's an absolute broadcasting rights requirement, Premier League, Champions League, whatever competition you want, you have to go out there and do your post-match interviews. And if not, you get fined. It's a basic thing. And yes, he looks grudging about it. On the other hand, you know, he's a family man. Um, I hope I've managed to get that through in the book. There's a nice Mm -hmm. quote about his grandfather, um, who um, he says was the only Espanol fan in the village, and where he grew up, and um, and that's almost like a, a homage to him as well as sort of saying, you know, what was he thinking? Um, so there is this sort of um, dual-edged side to, to to Pep, and I would imagine, like any good manager in any walk of life, not just in football, he'll use the good cop, bad cop when necessary in order to motivate players. But just exploring this for a bit, a bit with you, Charles. You're, you're a man who spent a lot of time writing books as a journalist, uh, etc., and as, as well as um, looking to tidy up the garden this time of year for all the reasons you gave. It, it, mostly it, selling Christmas trees at the moment, actually. Oh, very good. Oh, good. We get a good any good bargains. Well, most of our listeners sadly are too far away from where, where you are, but ho hum. Um, I'm sure the good other Christmas trees are available. I'm Indeed, sure. Indeed, yes, all over um, the place. Th- this this thing about the press is the one thing that does bother me 
me a bit that, that he will be remembered for he's successful he's dominated as i said the premier league um he he has reinvented football he's just worked with the owners he he's just gets manchester city he he's got the absolute love of the of of the all of the supporters. But when he gets in that sort of situation where he knows he's got to do it week in, week out, he could take a slightly different view. And and, and maybe that's part of the charm, I don't know. But it doesn't sit particularly comfortably with me. I, I'd rather see him being a bit more generous with his time um, and, 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 and having a bit more of a smile on his face, you know, particularly when we win. And it's it's just, you get the impression he's, he's doing it and he's not really enjoying it, doesn't really want to be there. And I'm, I, it doesn't sit very comfortably with me. Does that make sense? My sense is that that is going to change now. The new contract, um, it's a frustration whenever you compile a book of this nature together with quotes over what you think is an entire playing and coaching career. And then, of course, you know, you have the deadline for publishing and then other things come afterwards and you go, oh, sod it, that would have been good in the book. So there's going to be, you know, some um, some interesting material there, always. Um, I think he's going to relax more into it. He's said um, that if he's not enjoying it, and I've got quotes um, in the book, if he's not enjoying what he's doing, he'd rather be in the Maldives, underneath the coconuts, um, though there's not enough golf courses in the Maldives. Um, but, you know, he is if, if he's enjoying it, he's going to continue it. If he's not going to enjoy it, he doesn't want to do it anymore. He's clearly enjoying it and I think personally my you get to know people even you know through just trawling through well um, books the internet whatever you, you get to know something about the the person I hope um and I think you know he's going to be going yes now I'm going to enjoy this period of my career because it's going to be at city let's not forget and it's in the book he left Barcelona under a massive cloud you know completely mm. fell out with them and you know wanted to get you know as far away as possible went out to New York and um you know he um Barcelona will always be his club but really I think maybe City are running it pretty close I'm sure he talks he talks about personality a lot a lot of the quotes include the word personality he describes it whether that's the language but obviously it's not his first language English but he he does talk about having the right personality and players having the right personality what would what you read into that uh, he wants everyone to be like him. Um, there's a quote about what he wants the ideal midfielder to be like, and he's basically just talking about himself. Um, the man has an ego. There's nothing wrong with that if you're in his line of work. And your granddad, Bill, would have liked Pep, you say, in the book as well, which I mean, so so, so, so what, what, what was it about? What, does that mean you don't like him particularly? Or why, why no, it means I it means I absolutely love Peb. Sorry for talking over you there. Um, my my granddad, Bill, was a great influence on me, um, partly because he wrote a, a really obscure book on a Greek place called Monum Vazir. And I always looked at it on his bookshelves and I was just like, my God, my granddad wrote a book. And I was just, I wonder if I'll ever write a book. And <laughs> and um, obviously he died quite a long time ago. But um, when the little red book of clock came out, I just went, well, yeah, I wrote a book. And um, my original acknowledgement to to my grandfather, Bill, in this book was 2-1 to the grandson. Um, but my dad actually told me today that he did write a second book and it got rejected by the publishers. And um, so thank God I didn't say 2-1 to the grandson on that one. Um, my, my grandfather, Bill, was a lovely bloke. We sat and watched the 1978 World Cup final together. And um, he basically said to me, whatever you do in life, remember this, the ticker tape coming down, Mario Kempes, um, Argentina, Holland. And, and you know, I was just transfixed. I was, what, 10 years old. And I was just like, my God, this is unlike anything else on television. I don't want to watch anything else ever. 
And it was it, those images. I, I think I can remember South Africa. I can think of the noises from South the South African. Well, World the Vuvuzelas, yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> but it, from from that World Cup, as you say, the ticker tape that sort of came out. It just and it happened. I think in the in the in the uh, was it would have still be the first division in those days. I think it probably would have been, wouldn't it? When when it came back, I think people tried it. But it wasn't wasn't quite the same on a on as a soggy yeah, soggy, soggy. Uh, Burnden Park. It, it didn't quite work <laughs> the, quite the same way. I don't think. But uh, that soggy. was that was it. Soggy bog roll, yeah, no, not really. Exactly. Um, um, just on a, um, a final, just to say something else uh, um, again about my, myself and my background. One of the books I did edit was with um, Ozzy Ardiles going back again to City Spurs final, mm. and um, I had the pleasure. Um, his his English was still hilarious, um, and it really. And um, it was just like these. He was Welsh as well, was he? There's a theme here. We've got Christmas trees and, and sorting your shrubs out, as well as yeah. Welsh accents. Right. And, 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 and your perennials. Anyway, we, I, I was lucky enough to um, to sit in a restaurant with him and, and his agent left. And um, and Ozzy basically sort of said, you know, I, I won't do the accent. He said, shall we have one more bottle of wine? And I was sitting there just going... Do I want another bottle of red wine with Ozzy Ardiles? As he told me about life in Argentina in the 1970s, uh, it's just some things in my life have worked out well. When when you're in the pouring rain, um, um, lugging a thousand Christmas trees around, you think oh, this is an interesting life. And Pep's is definitely more interesting than mine. But I'm glad to have been a bit of a part of it. And before we finish, that that the last chapter you call life uh, just to yes. help our listeners understand a little bit about that that sort of final chapter in life. Some lovely things in there. Well, it's it's bookended, literally. Um, so you, you start on Pep on football, but, um, you know, it's Pep on life and um, life is more important than football. Let's face it. I think we've all come to understand that. If not over the past couple of years, then, you know, certainly we should have done. Um, there's one quote that says, I like the same as everybody, wine, reading, family, which I think probably says more about Pep than um, anything about football. Um, but there's also another one that says, um, perfection does not exist, but you have to look for it anyway. Um, I think he's doing himself down a little bit anyway, but that is what he's all about to me. You know, he's striving for perfection and he's so wound up in it that sometimes, as you say, it aggravates other people because he's he's not expressing himself to other people and he's a difficult person to be around because he's a perfectionist and and when perfection does happen and you can sit back and look at that whatever the um uh de Bruyne's um goal you know after you know moves down the pitch and even the, some of the players who've now gone and he's really you know generous towards them like Gabriel Jesus and you just kind of think you know well you know he's turned everyone surely into a better player and isn't that the job of a manager Amazing. Listen, it's a fabulous book. It is Pep Talk, The Words and Wisdom of the Catalan Master. Um, how can we get hold of this? Um, if you want it on your Christmas stocking list, where do people get hold of it then, Giles? Uh, well, I'd like to think bookshops would stock it, but increasingly these days, um, I think if you go online, you'll probably find the easiest route to um, um, finding it. Um, but yeah, certainly in um, Manchester, I'd like to think there's the, the odd branch stocking it. Uh, there was a nice feature in 442 magazine as well, recommending it as something to read while the games aren't on during the World Cup. So uh, um, I can heartily recommend that. So um, what you meant to say, available in all good bookshops, I think. It sounds good to me, and it is a great read. Um, listen, uh, Pep Talk, the words and wisdom of the Catalan master. What an, a join a pleasure. Charles Elliott, thank you very much for joining us on the Man City Show. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Sports Social Podcast Network.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.